You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. Awesome worship, you guys. You may be seated. Hearing the congregation sing like that, just thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, give yourselves actually a hand for the way the Holy Spirit moved you to sing. Simple message today with a simple application because I am a simple man. Last week, title was, the title was The Final Scene, and it was the closing act of the, Cornelia, the conversion of Cornelius and his household. That was Acts chapter 10. And now we'll move on. Although in moving on, the author of Acts, Luke, he actually takes us backward before we can move forward. You'll see what I mean as we move through this text. Acts 11, 19 through 21, just three verses this week. I, I don't even have a reader. I just have three verses, so I'm just going to dive into them. And today's title is Believers on the Move. Just as last week, we're going to give the interpretation. We're going to give the explanation. If you want a theological word, we're going to give the exegesis. We're going to expound upon exposition. All that good theological stuff, that's what we're going to do with these verses. Then we're going to make relevant application. And the application, just as last week, is going to be the most important piece today. It will be important to hear what these verses mean, but more important today is the application. Okay? So you know what's coming, right? Acts eleven nineteen begins with the word, meanwhile. And that has some significance. This is what it means. At or during the same time. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Did you ever watch westerns when you were a kid growing up? Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Or it means something is happening at the same time as something else. And Luke, the author of Acts, He's about to inform us that something else was happening simultaneously, or at least right around the same time as these events with Cornelius. I want to make an understatement here, and it's a great place for an amen. Everybody looking up? Most people looking up? God is amazing. Yeah, that was an easy one, right? See... Unlike us, he's not limited to working in one time and one place. He's at work everywhere at once. God is amazing. The Bible tells us that God is. He didn't just create the universe and let it run itself. You know that, right? There are natural laws, but those natural laws are actually be sustaining are being sustained by God moment by moment. If God took his hand off the universe, it would be utter chaos. 
He's continually sustaining the universe that he created. That he created. He's caring for his creation. So think about that. God is keeping the planets in orbit and the seas, the tides in their boundaries. God is administrating his creation. And yet, the Bible tells us a sparrow doesn't fall in the forest without his knowledge. He's busy governing the affairs of the nations, and yet we are to cast our every care upon him because he cares deeply for us. He's caring for the affairs of the nation, national affairs, international affairs, and yet he cares for you, and he's by the bedside of your sick child. God is amazing. He's not limited to working in one place and one, at one time. He is always working. Proof? Jesus' words in John 5, 17. My Father is always working. And so am I. Always. Well, I don't really see it. Well, let every man be a liar and God's word be true. God is working. Whether you see it or not. Whether I see it or not. He's working. And then there's those kairos moments. Kronos moments. Moments are chronology. Life goes on over a period of time. Kairos moments are those suddenlies and those interruptions and those interventions. That's a kairos moment. And so life goes on chronologically and God is working and we may or may not see it. And then there's those kairos moments where God breaks through and you see that he's been working and you're blown away by it. And you say, how could I have ever doubted him? Have you ever said that? How many have ever said that? How could I have ever doubted him? Next time I'm going to do better, right? Until the next time. And then it's, how could I have ever doubted him? When this long period goes through and it doesn't seem like he's working, and then he works. In our context today, Luke is saying that even while the Holy Spirit was working in Caesarea using Peter to lead Cornelius and his household into the kingdom. He was also at work elsewhere. Meanwhile, or during the same time as the Cornelius account, something else was occurring Luke wants us now to know. And as I said, before we can actually move forward, we have to take a step backwards. Again, Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. So meanwhile, as Peter was ministering in Caesarea, at the same time, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death, they were active. These were believers on the move. They weren't just sitting around complacent. And do you remember those folks, the believers that were scattered after Stephen's death? And do you remember that incident? I mean, we're all the way up in chapter 11, and that was all the way back in chapter 7. So maybe we better refresh our memories. As they stoned Stephen, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Stephen died. Stephen is the first recorded, recorded martyr for his faith. And his death 
if you remember, started a feeding frenzy. It became open season on Christians when they saw that they could murder Stephen and get away with it. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. All the believers were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. The believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. There's good news and there's bad news in this verse. Bad news first. You always want the bad news first, right? No, you want the good news first and then you got to deal with the bad news? Not me. Give me the bad news. The bad news was this, earthly speaking. This is earthly speaking. These precious believers, they were in upheaval. They were forced to flee. They were scattered. They were running for their lives. Very sad. It's easy to read the ink on the page. It's harder to think about families, moms and dads and kids fleeing everything they knew, everything that was familiar at the threat of their lives. Some being separated from their wives and their families and husband and wife from kids. That's what was happening. So you think they'd be very glum and very down in the, dump, down in the dumps. And I'm sure there was some of that. But the good news in this passage is this. As they scattered, as they were fleeing for their lives, they spread the gospel. They advanced the kingdom wherever they went. That's a different mindset, isn't it? These scattered believers, they're the folks whom Luke is now talking about in chapter 11. That's why we had to go back and look at this, because this is the group that we're now talking about in chapter 11. These are the believers on the move. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death, they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. So from the areas listed here, we can assume that when they left Jerusalem, this is for our geography buffs, when they left Jerusalem, they traveled north and west, which is towards the Mediterranean Sea. They went through Judea and Samaria. They preached the gospel there. You remember the story of Philip. They established churches there. And by now, in Acts chapter 11, they've reached as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. And those, those cities are not just in there. They're, they're significant. Those three places, those three areas. Again, for our geography buffs, if you can see it on the screen. You see where Phoenicia is located. It's in modern-day Lebanon. It's on the Mediterranean coast. What major Western development came out of Phoenicia? Does anybody know? They were well-known for their shipbuilding, but something else that we have from Phoenicia Pardon? L lime? Blinds. I'm the jokester around here. What did the zero say to the number eight? Nice belt. What do the plants in math class grow? Square roots. Uh, what do we get from Phoenicia? The alphabet. Am I right on that? <laughs> Thank you. Okay. 
So Phoenicia is in modern-day Lebanon. It's right on the Mediterranean coast. They were shipbuilder seafarers. Cyprus is actually an island off of the Mediterranean coast. You can see it on the map there. And then Antioch is further north. They were going north and west. It's further north, and it's about 15 miles inland in present-day Syria. You can notice Damascus is just to the south there. Wish I had one of those pointers. The believers were on the move. They had started in Jerusalem. The reason they were moving was not good, but what they were doing as they were moving was great. As they traveled, this is what they were doing. The believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria, and they preached the word of God as they went. As they moved out, they preached the word of God. We saw that back in chapter 7 and 8 as well. They were actually fulfilling Jesus' command, although not in the way they thought it would be fulfilled. But they began in Jerusalem. They went through Judea and and Samaria. Now they're heading to the uttermost parts, the ends of the then-known world. And just for our sake, again, I want to define this word preached. It's, It's not a real good translation for us in our culture today. Because it's not pulpit ministry. They weren't doing pulpit ministry. Preached here, the Greek word simply means to speak or to tell, even in casual conversation. It doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be official. It wasn't a couple of super believers who became pastors and now they were preaching on Sunday. It was all the believers, the rank and file, which, by the way, is the strength of the church. The role of leaders in the church is to equip the saints, the believers, for the work of the ministry. It's the rank and file of the church that's the strength of the church. It's the rank and file of the church that are to carry the kingdom out into the world. Few are called to be leaders to equip. The rest of us are called to be out there. As they traveled, they spoke to others about Jesus. Very simple. They told others about Jesus, and they left groups of believers in their wake, out of which many churches formed. So as they went and people got saved, then they moved on, but those folks formed a church, and churches were being formed along this route. Interesting note, though. Did you notice the last phrase? What's it say? But only to the Jews. Jews. Hmm. Interesting note. They initially shared the gospel only with the Jews living in that area. Therefore, these initial churches that were being established, they were all Jewish congregations. Hmm. And yet, these were not Jewish regions. That's why Luke mentions Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch. These were Gentile regions. You'll see the problem with this in a moment. In just Antioch alone, the population was 500,000 to about 800,000. You know, we tend to think of these guys back then as nomads and Bedouins, and there were some major metropolises around this area. That's almost a million people just in Antioch. But here's the problem. Only 25,000 of them were Jews, and they were preaching only to Jews. Are you following? Can I at least see a head nod somewhere? Are you seeing what's happening here? It's estimated that the population of Antioch was almost a million, 
and only about 25,000 Jews. So a large segment of the population was being overlooked and neglected in the sharing of the gospel. It was very exclusive. You can imagine, this was a heartbreak to Jesus, who had died so that all people groups could hear the good news and be saved. Why would they stay exclusively with the Jews? Well, we spoke about why last week. And again, we have bad news and good news. And the bad news is this. Legalism, self-righteousness, customs, culture, tradition dies hard. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. Under the Holy Spirit's leading, those things are about to die. Hey, those things are about to die. Next slide. However, stay only preaching to the Jews, right? However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. Yes, somebody's finally getting this. Somebody's finally understanding what this is all about. In Christ, salvation is available to all mankind, all nations, all people groups. Jews and Gentiles alike have access to the Father through Jesus. And good thing, too. Because my guess in here is we're all Gentiles. And if only went to the Jews, we'd be in big trouble. A Gentile is simply a person who's not of Jewish ancestry. It's all the other nations of the world, and there's many of them. Ephesians 2.18. Now, all of us, Jew and Gentile alike, the entire human race can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Thank you. Some were finally understanding, and some were beginning to tell others who were ethnically Gentile. And they now were starting to form churches that were either Gentile or Gentile and Jewish. Because in Christ, see, we became one man. There is no more distinction. There's no more male and female. There's no more Jew and Gentile. There's no more uh, bond and free. We're all one in Christ. The church has that message to speak to the world. This isn't in the notes. But in a day when we are, are divided by everything, the church has a message of unity. Not that we just compromise everything. I'm not saying that. There's truth we stand on. We don't change the definition of sin, but we go out with a message of unity that we can all be united as one in Christ. That's our message. That was Paul's message. And that message doesn't always go over well. You talk about a message that will bring persecution, that part of our good news will bring persecution because legalism and self-righteousness and customs and culture and tradition, that dies very hard. But look what happens. We're getting near the end. We're getting near the application. Look what happens when they finally did that, when they finally went to the Gentiles, when they finally understood what Jesus had, tried, had been trying to tell them and what the Holy Spirit was trying to tell them. The power of the Lord was with them, or the power of the Lord came upon them. And a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. They were neglecting this huge segment of, of the people. 
population, the Gentile population, who were longing to know the truth. And they were going by them. If you weren't Jewish, you didn't get the good news. Be like, hey, I'm right here. I'm hungry for this. You're Gentile. You're not entitled to it. Wrong. The power of the Lord was with them. The power of the Lord was upon them. Evidence of his favor and approval was with them. Evidence that he was pleased with them. They weren't perfect, but they were following the Lord. They were following his command. They they were in obedience. He was pleased with them. Their obedience to take his message of the kingdom to all nations brought about an amazing result. And the result was a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. In other words, a huge harvest. A large number of lost souls came to know Jesus, were swept out of Satan's kingdom and into the kingdom of God's dear son. They were swept out of darkness and into light. They were swept out of death, spiritual death, and into life. Their lives were changed forever. As Brandon has been saying, these events that Sean Foyk has been putting on, and I just want to keep reiterating to you, we are not exalting a man. He's a good guy. He was willing, and God is using him, but we're not exalting him. And we're not really even exalting this event. Our eyes are on God, on the Holy Spirit, and what he's going to do through that event. And my belief is that event is just an end. It's not an end. It's a beginning. The most important thing that's going to happen out of that event is what happens in here after that event and in the weeks, days, weeks, and months later. As God touches us, we can bring people, and that's great, but make sure you go there with the intention, I want God to touch me on that day. I want to be changed. I want to be different when I come out of that event, and I want it to begin to show fruit. Gentiles were coming to Christ, and they were flocking into the church. And we'll see later in Acts, some of the Jews, the members of the circumcision, weren't all happy about that. But that doesn't matter. Do you know why? Because God was happy. And that's the most important thing. If I'm pleasing God, please take this in the right vein. If I'm pleasing God, I don't really care what you think. Please take that correctly. God's plan from ages past became God's ordained moment in time. It had reached its fullness of time. It was now happening. It was now, it would now continue to happen. There was no stopping this movement. There was no stopping these believers on the move. Satan. Satan certainly tried. Satan killed some of them. Satan persecuted many of them. But this movement never stopped. That's why we're in here today. God's plan from the ages became God's ordained moment in time. It reached its fullness of time. It was happening. It will continue to happen. It was here. It had come. And yet it was still coming. That's the way I view this event. This event is coming and it will be here But it will pass and then it will still be coming. It will still be coming and flowing through. God's heart from ages past was finally being realized. Now listen to this. 
You need to know, we need to know God's heart. God's heart from the ages past was finally being realized. He was building a family of all people groups of the world. God's intention from the beginning, that he would have a family that included all nations, all races, every tribe, every tongue, belong to his family. One reason is this. One particular race or, or, or tribe or nation cannot possibly re- reflect who God is. It takes all of us to reflect who God is in all of our differences, in all of our diversity. And I know that's a, that's a word we have to be really careful with these days. But it's still true. It takes all of us, all of our diversity, all of our differences to reflect to the world who God is. He was building a family of all people groups, and this was only the beginning. So that's the exegesis of the passage. That's what was happening. Now for the application. And forgive me if I repeat myself from last week, but it's relevant. The application is this. The harvest is at the door. The harvest is at the door. God is trying to convince his church, us, the harvest is at the door. Repeatedly, he has given the word to me, shepherd your flock. Prepare this church for the, for the coming harvest. Prepare this church for the coming move of God. And I'm telling you, it's at the door. The coming move of God has already begun. It's come and it's coming. It is time. The time is now. God himself has been, long, God himself has been longing, waiting, anticipate this, anticipating this moment. And just some verses to add to our faith and break down the unbelief. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. I say, wake up. Do you hear what the Spirit's saying to the church? Do you hear that? Wake up, church. It's no longer business as usual. It's no longer same old, same old. Wake up, church. It's a new day. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Even now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? If you're sleeping in the light, you won't perceive it. You'll be deaf to what the Spirit's saying to the church. Wake up. This is a now word to the church today. You say four months between planting and harvest. I say, the Lord, wake up. Look around you. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Like the Jewish believers that were preaching only to Jews. Wake up. The Gentile fields around you are ready for harvest. They're hungry. They're in a what must I do to be saved mode. Look at Cornelius and his household. He who has ears to hear. Hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. All that means is there will be very little time between planting and sowing seed and the harvest. In fact, it may be simultaneous. The fields around us are ripe for harvest. The harvest is upon us. And the last final word before we move into application is this. 
in this world, earthly speaking, seeing is believing. Yeah, I'll believe that when I see it. In the spiritual realm, believing is seeing. I see it when I'm willing to believe it. And that's why God is working so hard to break down our unbelief. He needs to bring us into belief so that we'll then see it. Will we believe? And will we then see this mighty, marvelous move of God's spirit in our area? It's a question. Okay. I want to call the band forward. Come quickly. Don't rush out. The best is yet to come. Don't sit back and sigh and say, well, the pastor's done preaching. This service is over. That's Bob Hurrian, by the way, right there. That's what you got. Now, whatever Sonny's going to lead us in, we'll find when we get up there. But after a song to get us focused, then we're going to pray together. We're going to pray over what we just heard, into what we just heard. We're going to pray over the coming harvest, the revival, the awakening. We're going to pray over the October 23rd event. And we're going to do that corporately together. So after the next song, Justin's going to come to the podium, to the mic, and he's going to give us further instructions. Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org.